This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. The Metaphysical Connection is brought to you by our sponsors, the Trinity Whip Company, handcrafted whips by Blake Brunning. Incredible form as well as function. TrinityWhipCo.com We are also brought to you by Chester Cordite, modern vintage menswear inspired by the golden age of the 1930s and 40s. ChesterCordite.com Landron Artifacts is a place to go for your amazing wall reliefs that were inspired by set designs for motion pictures such as Raiders of the Lost Ark, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Aliens, and of course, the originals created by the Aztecs, Mayans, and Olmecs. Add ancient mystery and intrigue with his products by going to LandronArtifacts.com. Don't forget the friends of our show, Recreating History and Penman Hats. You can find out more about our sponsors and the Metaphysical Connection by going to our homepage, metaphysicalpodcast.com, or join our group, facebook.com slash groups slash The Metaphysical Connection. This is The Metaphysical Connection, Episode 61. I'm your host, Carol Fisk. This time, Walt Schnabel and my husband, Eric, discuss 70 years of Roswell and how the incident in the New Mexico desert more than seven decades ago changed the world in many different aspects, from pop culture and sci-fi to shattering the trust the public had with the U.S. government. It spawned the birth of a thousand conspiracy theories and changed how we look at the universe and how we may not be alone. This week's bumper music is Giorgio Moroder's theme from the Midnight Express, which has been used by Art Bell on his shows Midnight in the Desert and Coast to Coast AM. This is our way of saying thanks to Mr. Bell and his decades of broadcasting, as well as his dedication of getting to the truth of what's been happening in the realm of the supernatural and paranormal. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You want to talk about like uh, just current events before we jump into the topic of Roswell here, real quick? Or what's well, one of the one of the one of the big things that jumped out at me, uh, recent news event, is a big chunk of Antarctica breaking off, like the size of Delaware. Yeah, and that, that's a that's a massive chunk of ice. Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm, that's, Delaware is a pretty big state, but you don't want not that big, but it's still a state. I mean, it's it's huge. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and. Iceberg terms, yeah, maybe not in state terms, but you know, I mean, that's you know, there was there was some discussion even as to whether it was connected to global warming. I, I don't know how you can even like think that it's not. You know, hmm. I mean, I'm not a scientist, so you know, yeah, I, mean, I guess there's other factors, but I'm thinking there's got to be some connection. Well, 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 yeah, I mean. But, and the thing is, is that, of course, people are going to be arguing about, well, what's causing global warming? And I, I, I maintain that it's a combination of things. Yeah, and I tend to agree with that, too. I think the environment is, is cyclical. You go through stages of... Mm-hmm. But, I, but I think do think there's a, a combined effect yeah. between greenhouse gas and, yeah. and the, whatever the normal cycle of, right. of warming and cooling right. is on Earth. 
Um, so, you know, maybe you can't control that, but you can control greenhouse gas. Well, here's, here's a question. If you want to. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that you have to make an issue. You know, every country has to make a conscious decision on whether or not they want to take this problem seriously or not. And when you see a giant chunk of ice the size of Delaware breaking away from <laughs> Antarctica or the Arctic, you got a problem. You would think you, people would say that. So yeah, I would think. So my, so my kids and I were driving home from um, the movie theater yesterday afternoon, and we passed this... Uh, um, uh, hospital that has uh, covering uh, covering the uh, the parking lot um, uh, solar panels of all things. Mm. Interesting. Good. That's and good and, and the question I have is is that if if global warming is such a serious problem and people do have problems with their cars getting too hot in the summer while they're parked in the parking lot, how come we don't have more solar panels everywhere? Yeah, it's a good question. I I don't know. We should be among the leaders in that kind of technology. I mean, with the you know scientific resources we have and technical resources and all, and all those things, we think that would be a, uh, a no-brainer. But. Why don't more companies have solar panels covering their parking lots and you can kill two birds with one stone? You could- well, you have, yeah, I mean, you have all kinds of solar technology that doesn't get really utilized. No, they're, they're, they're working on solar panels for um, for houses. Yeah, for the roof. Yeah, you know, that replace the roof. You can't even tell that they're solar panels. Yeah, it looks like a roof, but they're, they're actually producing electricity. They they utilize some gener some new generation of solar voltaic cells, and they don't even look like the typical solar right, panels. Right, that- they they look they're you know pretty much look probably not like a necessarily a typical roof, but. But no. a roof, but you know, good enough. Like big panels, yeah. good enough. Then they have um, panels that um, take the place of your driveway. Yeah, so that you're, you you won't have to um, shovel your driveway. It just heats it heats the snow up. It just stores electricity or stores stores right. the energy, right. and and then heats the converts it back to heat. There must be coils in them or something that are whatever. And they have the same thing for the roads. For the roads, there's all this technology the, out there. The, the these. Roads, road panels would produce electricity for the lighting for the road, so you wouldn't have to pay for that. One of the, one of, are we using that? No. No. One, no. one of the best and worst things that has happened to my family recently is that my father-in-law got my son a subscription to Popular Science. And I say it's the best and the worst because the thing is, is that you look at it, oh, wow, great. They have this new technology that will pull carbon out of the air. And you can utilize the carbon that's hanging in the air and, and you put it through your 3D printer. So you can make carbon things, whatever it is that you would like to. The problem is, is that that, like that briquettes for your uh, briquettes. For, your, for your grill or something. Oh, no, no. These these are like um, like plastic chunks of what, what do you do with it? Though? It's like mm-hmm. you can you can make. You can make toys for your kid. You can make replacement parts for your car. You can, you know, like... You know, I, I can visualize a kid on Christmas, like, opening his present, and there's a big chunk of carbon. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a th- go, go to town on that, Wally. <laughs> it, 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 you, know, the, you know what a 3D printer is, though, don't you? I, I do, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not clear on how it exactly works. But, right. But it's, it's strange technology. It just right? takes this resin that's made out of whatever, and this resin is used to... I'll, I'll, I'll post a video on how 3D printers you are You can make, made. like, body parts and things. You right? can make anything. You yeah. can, you know, you can make toys for your dog. You can make 
all sorts of toys for every member of the family, every member of the family. And, uh, you know, the, the, any, any kind of toys, any, any kind of any, toys, any type of usage, any time, any, any, anything you can think of, okay. anything well, you can think of. It opens up a lot of possibilities. It does. It does. And, and the idea that this is just great. But the thing is, is that there are people who say, no, you shouldn't have that technology because you're going to destroy the economy or, or whatever. And listen, I want, I, well, I that argument is ridiculous because, and I've heard that. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, okay, then center the economy on producing that kind of technology, <laughs> you know, rather than oil and, and carbon-based products. I mean, come on, you know, does that, that doesn't take a rocket science to, scientist to figure that out, I don't think. You yeah. Know, but, but, you know, we, it all goes back to the, to the same thing. You know, our whole economic structure is based on, on oil and, yeah. and producing oil and... And, and those kinds of things. And, and that's the industry that is going to override everything, you know, yeah. because they have powerful lobbyists and yeah. blah, blah, blah. There you go. So one of the things, one of the stories that I wanted to talk about, and because this sort of overlaps with a lot of other things that are going on as far as, I think that there are aspects of technology that is just going too far too fast in the wrong direction. The perfect example of this, and I posted a link to this on, on one of our group pages. Um, some guy is working really super hard on a a realistic android slash sex doll that you can you can hold its hand while you're watching tv you can cuddle and 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 she's being programmed so she will be receptive to your emotional needs emotional needs emotional well and then and then whatever. And then whatever. Whatever comes up. There's after a lot that. of lonely guys that are probably very happy out right now. You know what? But the thing is, there's a lot of lonely girls out there who are looking for love, too. And how can, well, we, can't, how can we can't get these people together, well, Walt? Uh, it seems like that would be a little more normal than having a, an artificial partner of some kind. At, that, at, that seems a little odd. But. At what point? But there's also people who don't want to get involved emotionally, really. They, they just want to, you know, do what they do and... They don't really want to have to go through all the steps that it that it takes that, that a relationship entails necessarily. But what's going oh, to well, you know, I mean, I don't know where you go with that. You well, know, that's that's a problem in itself. I think. Well, the thing is that we're also in, de in developing artificial intelligence, which is supposed to coincide with the development of these android sex dolls but the thing is if there is such thing as artificial intelligence and these things are going to be actual thinking beings one of these sex dolls going to revolt and say you're a loser get the hell away from me I'm well, yeah i mean that's when artificial intelligence goes over the edge you know, that's, <laughs> that's the event horizon for artificial intelligence when when it makes a decision that its creators who would be us or humans yeah are losers you know yeah and and, and, they, and they could they they know a better way yeah you know I'm, I'm not so sure that's really different than our history where, where we were created yeah by a higher intelligence and and then at some point we sort of got too uppity and um and the, yeah we either we either threw them off the planet or they left on their own accord well not before they flooded the planet <laughs> yeah <laughs> trying to you know take put a dent in the excess population as as you might think exactly you know, and it's kind of interesting I, i've had this i don't i don't know if it's it's not really a revelation i guess it's a, um 
maybe just an observation and maybe it's a skewed one. I don't know. But I've noticed there's an increase of like animal attacks and things like that. Have, have you noticed that? Or? Yes, I have. Yes, um, I have. If that's one Shark of the... attacks and bear attacks. And so, you know, in, in my sort of warped thinking pattern, I guess I'm thinking that maybe that's all part of like Mother Nature saying, we, we need to eliminate some of these problem makers, you know. <laughs> well, let, let me um, let me let me stop and th- let me stop you for a second. Is that a bizarre thought pattern? The oceans are getting a little warmer, just a little warmer. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Some of the sharks' food sources are becoming more and more scarce. Oh yeah, clearly. But but is that maybe not a a pattern of larger but, pattern? But now hold on a second here. Okay. So the thing is, is that as the sharks are getting hungrier and hungrier, and they're able to go into shallower water, shallower war- waters where there is this human buffet just waiting for them yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> you know i mean what would you do if you were a shark it's, it's like the uh, golden corral of the shark world <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. all you can eat you know and the thing is is that you know you, you can you, you have your variety do you know do you want to go fat free or do you want to go do you want to go dark? Well, I, I was hoping that would um, take effect on the beach in New Jersey where, where Governor Christie was. <laughs> I was hoping the sharks would mistake him for a whale and come up come up out of the water, like start to you know start to become land sharks. This is the, the you, drag him out into the ocean. You you of course, t- of course they'd have been feeding on him for days. I think so. Which I, would have would have been good because it, other people wouldn't have gotten eaten. <laughs> One of the things that I found really funny, for people who don't know, there was a government shutdown in the state of New Jersey. And as a result of there being a government shutdown, there were some beaches that were closed during the 4th of July. All the beaches. All the state parks. All the the public beaches. Not private beaches, but state parks. I'm sorry. All the public beaches that were closed. Which is quite a sizable amount of beaches. That's a lot of beach. Yeah. And, of course, there's <laughs> Governor Chris Christie <laughs> sitting on an empty beach all by his lonesome. Well, no, with his family. Yeah, his whole family. With his, with his family. Just yeah. them all alone mm-hmm. on the beach mm-hmm. that's supposed to be closed. Right. And there's a big, huge controversy, whereas he, <laughs> he's now looking for a job for what he is going to do after he retires from the, being the governor of New Jersey. And, of course... He was doing a test run on a sports radio show because he thinks that he's going to be a talk radio guy, right. you know, and a perfect place for him. Sports radio. And some guy called him up and says, hey, you know, you're, you know, you, you fat bastard. You know, the thing they is, did. is I that, heard that. They, they really, <laughs> they really called him out. And yeah, in, in unkind terms. Yeah. But the thing is, but, but this gets back to something that I have like. There are people in government who seem to think that the laws are for us and they can do whatever it is they want. Well, in his case, he's he's very um, he, he's he's an opportunist. He, he thinks, you know, his one of his statements that I heard was he said, um, you know, if you want to sit on the beach when the beaches are closed then then get elected governor, you know, that was his that was his attitude toward the whole yeah. thing. Uh, one thing I did hear for his future employment is I heard he may be a uh, spokesman for Krispy Kreme Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> we really should not be making fun of Chris Christie and his weight, but no, no, we'll be doing we're, it anyway. We're not, we're not really. We're, we're just pointing it out that um, he, he is a little oversized. But the thing is, is it, he, he doesn't he doesn't buy his pants off the rack. But, but do we not under, see the pattern? What happens in all of human history when there are politicians who seem to think that 
the rules are for thee, not for me. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what it is. What always happens in situations like Nothing this? Nothing good. It's all it always some kind of a civil war or a revolution or something. I don't think that Chris Christie is a, the problem. I think he is part of the problem. Where a lot of politicians and and elected officials and appointed officials seem to think that they don't have to follow the same rules that they put into place. Well, and and they forget why they were elected, what they were elected for. They were elected by the people. They're paid by the people, and they're supposed to serve the people. They're they're not supposed to have their own little fiefdom that they develop. And that's they exactly do. what yeah, and that's what they do. But they do, and it's right across the board, starting with. You know, I'm not saying all governors, but some governors and congressmen and senators, they all have the same attitude. They're, right. They're insulated from. Yeah. Somehow from the same rules. Yeah. And it's not just politicians. It's sports stars and actors and you know they it's the elite what well what some people would consider elite i i don't but yeah uh, they're they're in their own minds they're elite they're of course they're they're not the same as the masses you know they have different rules right so whatever that's the way it is yeah until we the people change that somehow right the only thing that's gonna gonna make a difference so anyway enough about chris christie he doesn't he doesn't deserve any more airtime yeah in my book he's he's on his way out anyways yeah by the way just as a heads he's done enough damage just as a heads up I'm, I'm going to be posting a link to this on our on our show page as well this is show 61 is it believe it or not okay show 61 too bad it's not show 70 because that would have coincided with our topic today yeah it would it would so the thing hey, is hey good segue huh Eric? that's a perfect segue we were also going to talk about your age too and how it my coincides. age yeah you just you just celebrated a birthday, didn't I did, you? But, um, well, I don't really want to talk about that as much as um, the the card I got from from our friend Jim, <laughs> who, by the way, is I think working his way out of the salt mine. I think, I think he can see light at the end of the tunnel. He he, the canary just the, the cage canary just passed him. So. <laughs> so he's I think he's on his way out. I think that he's going to be back in in August sometime. Yeah, because so. a lot of people keep asking me, "Where's Jim? Where's yeah. what did you do to Jim? Right? What did you do to Jim? Where did you bury him? <laughs> well, a twelve foot grave. <laughs> and he's digging his way out. But um, now it was it was a self imposed um, banishment, I guess you could say. He, he, he he bought a new house and he had to yeah. had a lot of work to do. So, yeah. but he will be back. For, he will for be your, for your for those Jim Loretta fans out there. Exactly. All um, two, three. <laughs> no, there's a I'm lot. Only of, kidding, Jim. There's okay. a lot. Of, so anyway, I got this card in the mail, and it's it's you have to read. It's the not mind. your typical birthday card. For one thing, it's it's just a tad smaller than a than an LP jacket i think For people who do not remember okay. once upon a time there were these things called lps or right. records which stood for long playing long playing um but they're coming back they're making a comeback they they are the vinyl is making a big comeback I'm, I'm, unfortunately uh, i got rid of my entire collection i'm still upset about um, that and it you know it was probably worth a fortune now but yeah oh well along with my baseball cards you had baseball cards? Uh, well, yeah, my mother gave them away when oh, I was in college. I hate that. I uh, hate that. It's a, it's a sad story. But. Yeah. So anyway, I got this card, and I open it up, and it looks like a Star Wars scene on the cover, yes? It, it actually does. You gotta... um, and it, it has a simulated Star Wars kind of font. Writing. Um, like the, font? Like the opening called? crawl. Right, exactly. And it says, uh, a long, long, long time ago. And then you open the card, and it says, (laughs) 
you were born. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. <laughs> Thanks for thinking of me. Walt Schnabel was born in a galaxy far, uh, far and I, away. And I believe I was. So. I, I, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm okay, you're okay. You're my Obi-Wan, so... So anyway, I actually gave you my robe. I know. I know. I passed my robe on to you. Or... I know. I and and it's 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 still in an, a safe place as well. It's hermetically sealed. No, it's just in a safe place. That's until, all. I'm until say. you grow into it spiritually. Mm, yeah, that's that's exactly it. That's a, that, that's the story I'm telling. So we want to do until you're worthy of it. Yes. Yes. Um, Roswell, Roswell, New Mexico, and we had observed a. Um, uh, a, a sort of a, a milestone, 70 years since Roswell. Yeah, and, hard, and to, hard to imagine, but that it is. I, it, it feels like it was only 30 years ago when it was only 50 years ago. It, it doesn't, I mean, I guess it doesn't seem like it would be that long ago, but it, it actually, I mean, when you do the math, it actually is. So. Yeah. But but the, the curious thing to me is that it's still, it's still reverberating. I mean... It hasn't really lost, if anything, it's gained traction, I think. Um, they have a huge yearly celebration in Roswell yeah. uh, commemorating the anniversary. Um, they probably had a big one. That, uh, we just missed it by a few days. Yeah. Uh, it was, is it July 5th when the crash happened or 6th? Uh, yeah, because the thing, well. July 6th of my birthday, so yeah, I, should, one I of, should know that. But. The thing is, is a lot of people actually debate when did the, the actual crash itself occurred and everything else is public record. So, but we are talking well, about the yeah. you know the Fourth of July the Fourth of July holiday weekend is usually when people usually quote celebrate it mm -hmm. converge on on Roswell converge on Roswell in mass and the thing is is that the topic of of this week's show is well obviously how Roswell changed the world and Walt and I have have this ongoing debate how exactly did Roswell change the world and. And, and what actually happened at Roswell? Yeah. What, what was the... What, no, nobody really... I mean, there's so many different stories that are out there about what it was, you know, including the Air Force's story, which has changed multiple times. Yeah. From beginning with... Um, the, the original event was actually in numerous um, newspapers, particularly out west. Yeah. Saying that the, that the uh, Air Force, or the Army, I guess, it wasn't yeah. really the Air Force at that point, uh, captured a flying disc. Yeah. And then the next day they changed the story to, to it being a weather balloon. <laughs> every, every time. Like, yeah, okay. How do you, you know, how do you mistake um, a flying disc for a weather balloon? One of the books that I think that everybody needs to reference is that there is a book, and we've re we referenced this before, it's called The Day After Roswell. And the two authors of the book make this case that the, the dawn of the new age of mankind began the, the day after Roswell when it hit the newspaper saying UFOs are real. The, Air, the Army Air Corps 509th Flying Wing, mm -hmm. the same group of people who dropped the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki they were the bombs. Right. They were big. They were. They were a big deal. They were the big guys. They, yeah. was, they were the, and they, and the thing they is. They were elite. It was, this is an elite group. This was, no, they, they you were. You don't trust that event with just anybody. Th those people were like, they were the top of the heap. Yeah. They could. You creme could, de la creme. Creme de la creme. But the thing is, is that the authors of this book, um, the day, uh, the day after Roswell, 
they brought up a, a couple of really good points that we have to sort of look at through the, the historical lens because Halloween of what was 1939 or the world's Orson Welles. Right. So the thing is, is that for how's that playing? Well, the thing is, is that this created a giant panic talking about flying saucers landing somewhere in oh, New Jersey. Yeah. I, I get you. I guess you where you're going. Yeah. And people completely, totally freaked out. They and there, did. And yeah. there were people in the what was it like, Walt? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you through my father's eyes. My father always talked about it. He, yeah, because it, it happened right near or. or the the supposed location of right. this event yeah of course it was fictional but um, right it was right near where um i grew up yeah so my father said there was a really a, kind of like a mass panic people were right. leaving town and um, i mean they believed it it's particularly people who who tuned in after it had started yes and they thought it was an actual news broadcast yeah about this you know event of aliens landing and mm-hmm. and they thought it was an invasion essentially yeah, and you were like, okay, we're getting out of town. They and actually believed it was a it. panic. I mean, there was a real panic. There. I mean, it caused a big, a major problem. Um, keep in, and, keep, and that was right near where where I lived as a as a kid. Because keep in mind, um, what, what Candace Bergen's father? What was his name? Who? Um, Candace the Bergen um, uh, with the puppet. Um, Char- oh, um, Edgar Bergen. Edgar Bergen and Charlie. Right. Um, they had a very popular radio show that right. only lasted like maybe half an hour, maybe 15 minutes. Everybody would listen to it's that. Called, Who's your dummy? <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, is that after people listened to that, that, that show, they turned, they turned the dial and they heard Orson Welles's War of the World's production already in progress. Yeah. And, yeah. and people were flipping out because of what was going on at Grover's Mill and mm-hmm. people were flipping Which out. Which is a fictional town, by the way. Right. And so but people didn't realize that. And of, and, of, and of course, wouldn't you know it? The thing is that people started panicking and freaking out. They didn't even bother to listen to the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah, they, they got they got um, pretty agitated. <laughs> like, OK, where are we going? <laughs> so people hear about these invaders from Mars. Pennsylvania is looking pretty good. <laughs> you know, people hear the story about invaders from Mars. And, and, and of course, what do they do? They turn off the radio, they panic, they get in their car and they're driving and they don't bother to hear the part where it's like, this has been a presentation of Mercury Theater. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, that was 1939, too. Yeah. And, and so you had the whole, you know, the whole Nazi thing was was yeah. up in, in Europe. So everybody. So everybody was sort of on edge already, I think. The well you know? was already. I mean, there was a, they were invading yeah. countries in Europe already. So, yeah, that in whole invasion thing was going on. People and, were and already just, thinking about that. Right. So, so they, you know, and that and actually getting back to Roswell, um, not a dissimilar kind of atmosphere at that point, because it was post World War Two beginning of the cold war yeah well that's the whole thing that people were were coming to the understanding that we were now that you know the nazis had been defeated sort of yeah in quotes germany had been defeated anyway yeah and and now we had this whole new um enemy i guess of the soviet union that was showing a lot of signs of being very adversarial right which apparently hasn't changed much but no um so there was a whole there's a whole history of that kind of stuff starting to amp up. Yeah. So automatically people were, I think, open to some kind of thing like Roswell. People were, were already clamoring for it. Sort of. People were clamoring for it. You can say that people were, people were ready. 
People were ready and jazzed for yeah. something yeah, awful they were, to they happen. Yeah, they were amped up for that. So, so the thing is, is that the, the, the entire notion from the government is that, well, we don't want another panic like that again. So we need to sort of like calm people down with this whole thing of, oh, it was all a weather balloon. That was, it seemed to be that that was the intentional lie. It seems to be, yeah. According, to a, according to a lot of people. That's exactly. I would exactly. have thought they could have come up with something better than that. But, well, um, I mean, the thing is, is like when you're in a, when you're in a panic, mm-hmm. you know, any good I, any idea is a good idea, even if it's a horrible one. Right. It's better than no idea well, at all. Well, you know, they, they must have said, um, well, what can we come up with? And, and I think they were testing weather balloons in that area yes. using weather balloons. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, so, so maybe it seemed to them like it was a logical. Yeah. Um, you know, they could get people from some university or something that was overseeing it to say oh yeah we've been putting weather balloons out then right you know so i guess in their mind it did seem kind of plausible now it seems kind of in in one of our our previous guests tom carey had Mm -hmm. had said that they were constantly using weather balloons to the point where farmers had to go out every day and pick up weather balloons that had fallen out of the sky because because the material that they were made out of the 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 sheep or the the cows would try and eat them and then really? they would get all all bound up and they would die because they could not digest whatever the weather balloon was like mylar or whatever something, it was yeah. something something indigestible so the farmers they already knew the cattle ranchers already knew what weather balloons were right they already had experience with that kind of thing right so the thing is, like, if you see this thing and it was just like, how could you mistake a weather balloon for a flying saucer? Right. I'm having a hard time dealing so with the, that. So the guy that actually made the discovery of the crash site, or the debris field anyway, yeah. um, was a rancher, mm-hmm. Max, Max Braswell. Yeah. Braswell, Braswell, I think. Um, and, and he went into town. He, he went out, you know, out onto his field and he saw all of this metallic debris. Right. And... Um, he was, you know, obviously he must have been somewhat familiar with weather balloons. Yeah. And and he reported it to the local sheriff. Yeah. Who then reported it, um, sadly enough, to, to the military base. And, and then and they, things get out of hand. I, I guess quick. they didn't know about it Mm-mm. at that point. No. Well, so well, then things really took off. Well, back up for a second here. Yeah. There's There's three aspects of this story that you need to sort of share so far. So Max, the rancher, mm-hmm. he already had a huge, large container of fallen weather balloons already. He, oh, he, did? he already that. had gathered up weather balloons that he had he had put out of the reach of his, of, of, his, of his livestock mm-hmm. because livestock had a habit of eating right. this and getting right. sick. So that's, oh, okay. that makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's it, number one. Number mm-hmm. two, not too far away, there were um, there's a radar testing station. And apparently, somebody had already seen craft, fast-moving craft, going across their speed, their screen that defied explanation. And people were like panicking: Is this a Soviet jet? Is this? Is this? Is this? An, Who knows what it is? Is a five hundred nine something uh, beyond probably the capabilities of what um, aircraft we had at that time? One of the things that people had speculated was was that thanks to Operation Paperclip. Somebody had brought home um, a, a Nazi flying wing jet, 
put it back mm-hmm. together at the 509th and started testing it. Yeah, the Nazis had actually developed jet uh, propulsion yeah. right near the end of the war. They actually had Messer, uh, special edition kind of Messerschmitts yeah. that had, had jet technology. So that was not really anything that was out of the ordinary. It was, yeah. It was maybe a little bit unusual at that point, but it was not something that was unknown. But there were people... Something that, that could travel at jet speed. But there so this were, was faster. There were people who were totally freaking <clears throat> out... Because the thing is, is that is is this an enemy craft utilizing this sonic jet technology? That was a huge thing. A couple of days earlier, I always have to make sure that I don't say um, Kevin Arnold. It's Kenneth Arnold, who was near Washington Mm -hmm. looking for this Mount Shasta, Mount Shasta, looking for this other pilot who had just up and disappeared. I don't even know whether or not they ever found this pilot or not, or the or the debris field for his crashed plane. I don't know. I, I never heard that either. I never heard that. But the thing is, he reported seeing these flying wings that were like skipping across the sky, mm-hmm. like flying discs across. <laughs> right, and that's <laughs> where the, that's where the term flying saucer came. Exactly. From. That's where it was. He actually coined it, I guess, just because that was his description of it. That's so we had all these things that, and we had everything all sort of set up, sort mm-hmm. of like, so when the military got a hold of this, they were already on alert, apparently, because for some reason, somebody at the, at, at the, uh, the 509th Air Base had said, we need to keep an eye out because something just up and disappeared. It was it was cooking along, it was flying along at a high rate of speed, and it up and disappeared. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a crashed craft. we got to keep an eye out for this. So this Max the Rancher came by, having coffee with the sheriff, and said, hey, I just found this thing. And it's not a weather balloon. It's something that looks like a flying wing or a flying disc or something. And then the sheriff... You know, then then the local um, newspaper got a hold of the story and the radio station got a hold of the story. And then word was out. Yeah. And people who had actually went to the crash site started bringing stuff home, like the miracle medal, the memory medal that Mm -hmm. we were talking about. Yeah, thin, almost paper thin metal that um, had some some really unusual qualities that were not earthly. Right. Not known to any kind of earthly metals Mm -hmm. or metal that was produced on earth at, at any rate it could you could uh, ball it up crinkle it up and it would it would re re um, animate itself into what it started yeah. as it would just kind of unfold it, would, it was it almost would, like liquid it would animate <clears throat> itself and return back to the original right. shape nobody could right. cut it you couldn't mm-hmm. burn it you couldn't do anything you to could it. toss it up in the air and it would gradually float so it was real light you know it didn't have any, it didn't have a whole lot of mass yeah i guess which would be a good thing for a flying uh, device of some kind, you know, you would think. Yeah. You know, it's re- very, very resilient, but also very light at the same time. Exactly. You know, so exactly. Something like aluminum is, is light, but it's it's very You can cut fragile. the hell out of that it's stuff. It's fragile, yeah. Yeah. So, the, you know, that's another thing. And, um, you know, another whole part of this is that um, this is when the military really started a, an extreme operation to cover all this stuff up mm-hmm. and, and they really you know as, when we talked to tom carey he brought up the point that you know the military really has no jurisdiction over the over the public absolutely not you know, unless they're charged you know as a um you know if there's some kind of an event that they have to be brought into which, which is the which are two very strong points in the two books that that he wrote that i am aware of witness to roswell and children of yeah, roswell yeah and that's a very good point so 
these these military types really strong-armed a, a lot of these people and, and harassed them and, and I think really yeah. convinced them that if they told anybody what they knew, they were going to... There were generations they, of people who were, were convinced that if they said anything... Right, they, the were, they were going to be in, in big trouble. I mean, could you... If uh, not dead. I mean, could you just imagine, like, you're, you're an, an 8 or 12-year-old girl and you're playing with this mystery metal and somebody knocks on the door and it's a 260-pound... A six two sergeant sergeant who says if you tell anybody about this we will kill your family he didn't just say we will kill your family he said we will fucking kill your family and bury him in the desert and bury him in the desert yeah yeah, yeah nice yeah but, um, isn't they, that great? So, so they took the military actually sort of I guess arrested Max Braswell they yeah and they took him to the military base for um, a number of days I think three or yeah. four days yeah and and really um, worked them over. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they, I don't think they physically worked them over, but they mentally worked depends them on over. who you ask. Yeah, well, I don't know about that, but um, at any rate, they did harass him to the degree where he they finally got him to say that yes, it was a weather balloon. What yeah, he saw and, he recanted and, as everything. He said he had a whole box of them. He would have known that. He he knew what they were. You know, he, so he recanted his whole story. Yeah, um, probably under the threat of whatever death. It could be and. Um, after that, he wouldn't talk about it. Could he you blame just, him? No. He, I mean, people would um, ask him questions, and, and he'd just he'd walk away. Yeah. He, he just wouldn't make a comment about it. And if somebody brought the topic up, he's like if he was in a restaurant or something, he'd walk out. Yeah. So he, he was pretty severely, uh, um, had something done to him psychologically or maybe physically, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but he, he, was, he was really... Um, Scarred by it, yeah. psychologically scarred yeah. to the point where he didn't. And I don't think he ever really said anything about it up until Absolute, his death. Absolutely not. Um, I think his son um, did make some statements because he told his son, I think, some things. But um, I, I think he told his son that he had seen the alien bodies. Yeah. And uh, his son was in the same category, kind of. He he never really. I think Carrie and uh, Schmidt went to his his house one time. Yeah, when they were first starting to investigate this yeah. back in the nineties, I guess. Or, yeah, um, maybe it was no, maybe it was the eighties. Might have been the late eighties. Um, and he 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 went out out of the house. He went out. His mother, the mother, said he was home, and they invited them in. And they he went out the back way. He, yeah, he did not want to talk about this because he so was he, terrified. He was spooked. Definitely. He was terrified. Um, and a lot of people were in that category, you know. The two, the, the two of the aspects of these books by Tom Carey that you really have to take seriously is that first of there was the initial: if you tell anybody, we will kill you. The initial, mm -hmm. right? And then once in a while, there would be a military official that would catch up to people wherever they were living, wherever they were in the world, and they would say, well, just as a reminder, we know where you live, we know where you are. If you tell anybody, we will kill you. Right. And, you know, and, and that was one of the, you know, everything, I mean, your constitutional rights, civil rights, whatever, in the event of a, of a quote, right, right, out, right out the window, right out the window, it doesn't mm -hmm. exist anymore. One of the things that I find really sort of very, very disturbing is the notion that your civil rights exist so long as the government sees fit to you for you right. to have your right. civil rights. Right. And, and if it becomes an area of national security, then everything sort of goes out the window. All, yeah. the, all those things go out the window. Well, that's, a, that's another whole 
offshoot of this event is that this is this was when the CIA was formed. Yeah, as, almost as a result of this, I think. Yeah, to kind of keep you know keep this under wraps. And then, and and then we'll keep a handle on it. Anyway. Another keep, thing, keep that, a lid on it. Another another thing that people tend to forget is the formation of the super secret group MK Ultra. Exactly. Who had their own top secret classification? If things were stamped mm-hmm. um, top secret MK Ultra, there was there there were people in the government that couldn't even look at these documents, oh, yeah. including oh, yeah. the president of the United oh, States yeah. and senators or anybody that didn't have some kind of high level clearance. Yeah, of some kind. Yeah, I mean, it could it could override the president's authority even. Yeah, and it, that's pretty. It's pretty scary when you think about it. I mean, you see, and you couple that with, you know, um, you know, but, you know, you have MK Ultra and Majestic 12 with them experimenting on telepathy and weird stuff like that. Why would the government waste money on something like that if it's all BS? Yeah, that's a good question. I, and they they really started to get into developing, um, you know, mind control techniques and things like that at that point. Um, maybe not right then, but it, it, it was, a, you know, it was a development that came out of this, I think. And you know, supposedly the um, the alien. There was one alien that that didn't die in the yeah. crash, who who lived for several years and um, could communicate telepathically. I do have to correct myself really quickly. Here. Okay, go ahead. Okay, MK Ultra is the CIA's mind warfare program. Majestic Twelve is the one that dealt yes. with the yes, UFOs. You, you are correct. So, so yeah, so I, I often get those two mixed. Up it's too. not hard. They're, they're very close. It's not hard um, to. So um, actually, Majestic Twelve is the group that came out of the Roswell incident. They they were they were formed to sort of process you know UFO events and things like that and sort of keep it under wraps. I think. Yeah. Actually, the abbreviation of right. of of, mm-hmm. uh, of Majestic Twelve right. is MJ Twelve. That's why. Right. And you that's have, a, yeah. That's the that's the group that um, the shorthand Vannevar Bush was part of, and uh, <laughs> the Bush. I don't think a connection to the Bush family, but who knows? Hard to believe it. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh huh. Sure. Well, that's okay. what that's the yeah. that's the family line anyway. Yeah, uh-huh. and we're not taking credit for Vannevar. Uh huh. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. And then. Uh, Forrestal too was on that Admiral Forrestal, yeah, who ended up meeting an, an untimely end. Right. I mean, who commits suicide by having somebody shove him out of a window <laughs> <laughs> with a hospital gown on? <laughs> yeah, no, hard to believe. He he was committed for he he was starting to talk about some of this stuff, and he so was they, yeah. They committed committed yeah. him for being um, mentally unstable or something. Yeah. Like that. So I think one of the things that I wanted to tackle they here. They didn't have an aircraft carrier after him. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's great. You know, they're going to. Hey, listen, if they want to if they want to name an aircraft carrier after me, they're going to have to do more than shove me out a window <laughs> with a hospital gown. Yeah, I wouldn't hold my breath. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at, at least at least, you know, get me some decent clothes first. But um, one of the things I wanted to ask you and 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 everybody else concerned is mm-hmm. how did. Um, how did how, how did Roswell change the culture of the country? How how did Roswell change the world as far as pop culture is concerned? Well, um, you know, I, I read an article that was in the New York Times not not too long ago about Roswell. It was it was written as a result of the seventieth anniversary, mm-hmm. and the writer. Um, 
he, he didn't really come to any conclusions, but, but he did make the point that um, for some reason, Roswell, or the events at Roswell, whatever actually happened, really sort of resonates with people in, in some kind of a deep place. Yeah. Um, which is why it, it seems to not lose any of its um, interest for people. Right. You know, it, it never seems to, you know, a lot of times things happen and, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a story of interest for a month or maybe, maybe a year at, the ba- at best, you know, right. and then it sort of just fades away. And, but this, this just keeps going on and on. And, there's, and he was making the point that there's some reason for that. There's some deeper resonance to it that um, isn't really apparent. No. It seems to be there. Um, what do you think about that? What's, what's your, I mean, does that make sense to you? There, there's, there's something about we want to believe that what happened at Roswell. Well, they, they actually sell those posters and stuff in Roswell that, you know, we want to believe. And I want, we, yeah, I want we to believe, believe. You know, we know they're out there, you know, that kind of thing. So Yeah, like the X-Files posters yeah, yeah, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. For, for, for me personally, um, my, my whole interest goes back to my father. And when, when I was, you know, four or five years old, my father had told me, you know, hey, there's weird, weird things going on in the world. The world is far more stranger. You see those lights in the sky, those stars, you know, some people live there and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why he sing, single, signaled, singled me out. Why just me? Because he knew you were a true believer. And probably. But the thing is, he didn't tell these. I don't think he told these stories to my other siblings. I don't think. Yeah. And the yeah. thing is, but I mean, but for me, the entire notion is that there's weird things going on out there. And the government knows we want to believe as conspiracy theorists, as it were, we want to believe that the government is in somehow some kind of control of this to the extent that they're yeah, keeping I mean, that's things kind of the standard thinking you know that there's there's more to this than we know yeah or that we've been privy to we want to we want information about it we want to believe that there is some organization like majestic 12 that has all the answers and they are in somewhat control we don't like the idea they're no longer i mean they've they've been disbanded right majestic 12 or or at least on the surface on the surface you know but it could still exist in some other form i'm sure it probably does yeah i mean some agency or some group that regulates these stories and information and stuff every once every once in a while you'll hear these stories about there are people who come forward and say no majestic 12 is is alive and well under a different guise now Alive and alive and kicking. Alive and kicking, and huh. and um, interesting. But the thing, but after Roswell, there was the flying saucer mania. Whereas it seemed like almost every month Hollywood had another flying saucer movie coming out. Mm-hmm. One of the most famous well, ones in the fifties, yeah, yeah, in the fifties, it was huge. It was mm-hmm. you. I like to use the word ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. But and you know one of the greatest science fiction movies at all, the day the Earth stood still. Oh yeah, that's one of my favorites. You know, that's a great. Movie. That's not ju- that's not just a great science fiction movie. That's just a great movie. Period. Well, because it it has a deeper philosophy attached to it than yeah. just you know the typical flying saucer comes down and right blows up some buildings and then they, yeah. they shoot it down and blah. It's, it's way more than that. And then the George George Pal version of. From Paramount Pictures, War of the Worlds, mm-hmm. where the you know another great movie, another another great movie about based H- on H.G. Wells. Yeah, by the way. Yeah, and 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 
flying saucers or or alien spacecraft has been with us since then and it's become a part of american lore unfortunately most of those gave the aliens a malevolent um intent (laughs) yeah i I mean i mean maybe that was i'm I'm sure part of that was for the drama sure i mean where's the drama although actually in the day the earth stood still there it really wasn't malevolent in in in, a, in reality, no. The the alien race that um, this that was the behind the the craft that came down and landed with a, with a big robot. Um, yeah, Gort. Yeah, um, they were actually trying to help the human race. Yeah, with a message. Right. You, you got to stop. You need having to st- wars and 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 they sort of pointed out that the path we were on was was not. Yeah, not a productive one. Yeah, um, but at the end of the day, of course, you know it it didn't work out, and the human race didn't learn much from it. No, and we never do. It seems yeah, until it does, it's too it does late. Seem that it does seem like that, but that's unfortunate. But you know, you you gotta. I, I guess there's stages that all developing civilizations go through, and and we're not out of this stage yet. No, it's the only way. It's obviously we're 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 not. We just have to hope that we survive it and can move on to the next more evolved place. Speaking about evolution here, the authors of the book, "The Day After Roswell," this is the Corso book now. The Corso book. Now, the thing is, is that he makes a really great argument. A lot of people can say, um, he borrowed a lot of information from other people out there a lot of people have said that but the problem is is that it was was like one or two things are true he either borrowed stuff borrowed information from other other writers Mm -hmm. or he was the guy who was leaking all the stuff all along stories about mj12 and 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 whatever you don't know but the thing is, is that, you know, um, um, Colonel Corso had said that he shared an office with a filing cabinet with copies of everything, mm-hmm. everything that he was a high level official. I mean, he was he was stationed at the base, right? He was stationed at he, he was at, stationed at the Pentagon and he was the guy. who oh, was he, so he wasn't at the uh, he wasn't at the base in New Mexico. No. Oh, I thought he was. I don't no. Know why, but, one of okay. the uh, one of the other. But mid-time. he yeah. was he was big in the Eisenhower administration. He was too. huge. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the thing is, is that, um, you know, he worked under General Twining and a whole other people. He was, you know, partly responsible for the infamous Twining memo, meaning that if you see a UFO, here's what you do. Here's the official, here's the official Protocol. what we do. Protocol. And the second part of that is that we are, they came right out and said that, that they, they took the debris from Roswell and other because Roswell was was the first, but but it was not the last of these craft that mm-hmm. were they just get stranded, on, you know, here on planet Earth or whatever. And and the Russians have their version of Roswell out there. Um, other countries have had, you know, there's a lot of versions of Roswell. There's a lot. The, there's a lot of versions of Roswell out there. Do you want to talk about the um, the Nick Red the new Rick, Nick Redfern book? Let's talk about that for a second just, here. Um, I have not read it because it's it's just recently out, but I, yeah. I have a I have a um, a sense of what where he's going with it. No. Um, he apparently believes, um, well, at least he wrote a book about it anyway, and, and I, I know he's taken a lot of a lot of heat for this from right. the, from the UFO community. But but he does. He takes a lot of heat. Yeah, from a lot and of and he doesn't really care. I don't think he, <laughs> he he does research and he puts it out there and it's whatever happens happens, you know, and he 
that's just his his model for he did exactly he yeah. did exactly what Phil Copens did with his two books the ancient alien enigma and the ancient civilization enigma he took two theories and he played both of those theories out to their most logical conclusion that's what Nick Redford did with this theory of Roswell right so so his theory which is what his new book is based on is is um, a real alternative viewpoint on on what it actually was he he claims that right at the end of world war ii there were these the japanese were were making these huge uh kamikaze they call them kamikaze balloons mm-hmm. and they, and they were loaded with some kind of explosives huge, huge amount of yeah. explosives and they were going to fly them across the pacific and crash them into into the United States, and they actually did, and they actually did one. I think I thought the, it was two, oh, but maybe, okay. Maybe. I know maybe, that I don't know. I think one landed somewhere in Northern California, and the other one landed somewhere in the Washington Oregon border. I thought, I thought it was more Southern. It doesn't matter anyway. No, it doesn't. So anyway, this this device um, supposedly um, now this is another interesting point. I thought it was that Operation Paperclip was. Uh, where we brought German scientists, mm-hmm. but apparently we had a very similar thing with with Japanese scientists. Yeah, where we brought some of those over, and some of their technology came with them. So supposedly they were using this device, this huge balloon, um, to test. And now this is this is when they were beginning to think about um, space travel. Yeah, and they were using this device to taste. Uh, yeah, taste test the. Um, Effects of high level um, atmospheric effects on on humans, on the human body, and so they tested this device using either uh, mentally challenged people or people from Japan that had been um, somehow mutated by the by the atomic bombs that were dropped. Um, so they were like test subjects. They were using people or um, humans that you know wouldn't be able to be traced back to anything sure. or anybody. Um, and supposedly this this device crashed. Yeah. And and that's that that accounts not only for the debris, right? The silver debris, which there was a large quantity of. Yeah. This I don't know how big these things were supposed to be. As I said, I haven't read the books. I don't know. I do know all I, the details. But. Th- there was there was a program where they would drop <laughs> dummies out of these high altitude well, that's another balloons. Whole, that's another, that's whole, another whole thing. thing. Yeah. This this was actually supposedly, according to Redfern, um, human beings that you know were being used much like they used people for the Tuskegee Airmen experiments and that kind of thing. But it mm-hmm. was to test. You know, they were probably I would say monitored somehow when they were yep. up to a certain height and they would figure out what kind of body reactions they had. Mm-hmm. Probably blood pressure and that kind of stuff. Yeah. They were probably strapped in and mm-hmm. anesthetized maybe. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who know. knows? Could be anything. But yeah. anyway, so so that's what he's saying the bodies were. They yeah. were they were they were these and they were small because they needed to be small for the you know, to, to fit the experiment. Somehow. Right. Um, so he's saying that's what the that's what accounts for the. Bombs. You mean he's saying this like they used midgets and dwarves? Well, put sort them of. In. I'm I'm not sure of that, but um, some right. kind of people that were small in stature and were not people that could talk about it. 
Japanese refugees or I don't know. He, I, as I said, I, I don't know the fine details. That's kind of that's kind of creepy and scary and it is, sad it is. at the same if, time. If, if there's any truth to it, even if that was like a separate thing, if, even if that was an actuality, <laughs> it is pretty. I mean, I can understand why they would want to cover that up. Yeah, that's what his overall point is that that's why they were covering yeah. it up because it was so kind of heinous. Yeah. I mean, could you just could you imagine if like like the the U.S. government snatched up these Japanese orphans from the war or people from a mental institution or anywhere, just people in general, but especially children. Yeah. How does that make us any better than Joseph Mengele and all well, the experiments? It's funny you bring him up because there is another line of thinking, not Nick Redfern's, but um, that part of the Roswell thing was it was a German aircraft. And um, it was, we were using Mengele's um, failed experiments, failed human experiments from the, yeah. from the, either from the concentration camps or what he was doing down in, uh, down in South America. He, he had a little thing going down in South America after the yeah. war. So that's kind, of, that's kind of weird. That's kind of out there. I, th I think in 47, Joseph Mengele was keeping his, keeping his, Profile pretty low. Yeah, I would think he was pretty. He was pretty high on the yeah on the search list, wanted list for war criminals and things. Right. You know, so that, to me, that doesn't that doesn't hold a lot of merit. And then there was thinking that there was a um, it was part of this whole Soviet thing, which tied into the yeah to the um, there there was a um, say there, actually Corso was involved in a a big prisoner exchange yes. did you ever hear about this yeah I did I did um, he was a per, I think he was, in, he was he was a high level official in Eisenhower's administration yeah. and to try and exchange um, I guess Soviet prisoners and, and American prisoners or, it was part of a, a and, and they were holding back some American prisoners yeah and using their identities to as to bring them people over as spies yeah, exactly. in the United States. Yeah. So that was another whole weird thing going on there, at that point. Well, know? one of the things in... Because a little off topic, but... One of the things, one of the books that I am I, reviewing for the Fedora Chronicles um, end of, of, of things is a book called Beyond the Call, whereas it turned out that um, there are POWs who were behind the line, um, behind the, the, the Germany-Soviet-Russian lines. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how they got their crashed airplanes or whatever. And we actually sent in people to rescue our own prisoners of wars from the Soviets, yeah. of all things. Yeah. And that's that sort of... Well, that's one from. of the reasons why Patton, you know, the famous line that Patton had where he wanted to, he wanted to start a war with the Soviet Union because they had... <clears throat> During during the um, the takeover of Berlin, they they had encapsulated yeah. part of his army. Yeah. the Soviet Union surrounded him and captured the Americans. Yep. and brought them over to the Soviet Union as a kind of like a pre bargaining chip. Exactly. Yeah, and and so he wanted you know he, that didn't sit well with Pat. Hell he, no, he was, he was not happy about that. <laughs> and I, I think that's actually what got him. I think actually Patton was killed. Was yeah. knocked off. Um, so who knows? There was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that never really yeah. came out. You know, you don't really hear much about that. I, I I think that it was all tied in with Roswell somehow. I think a lot of things sense, seem to you know? seem to tie in with Roswell. Yeah. And another aspect of this book, the day after Roswell, mm -hmm. is that a lot of the technology that we take for granted and enjoy today, I can name four or five things in this room alone that may be spinoffs of of um, Roswell technology. Yeah, well, we don't know. We don't know what. Um, you know, I I don't 
Those kinds of alternative theories don't really resonate with me, and I, and I don't know why. Not that I'm disputing Redfern's version. I, I think he's got a lot of credibility. He's a good researcher. Yeah. Um, and that could be one thing that happened, maybe. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean that there wasn't something else, too. Absolutely. I mean, it's a big <clears throat> desert, and a lot of things were going on at the time. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of other... Um, versions um the air force actually at some point you mentioned earlier that they they were they were saying that the the bot when they had to try to explain the bodies yeah they were saying they were they were crash dummies crash test dummies exactly which which weren't even invented until the 50s early 50s <laughs> so you know that <laughs> that really doesn't hold any water well how do you know that they didn't invent them already? You know? yeah. And they didn't tell us. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. That, 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 that's kind of just stupid, I think. But there's a lot of there's. A, and by the way, we also have flickering lights here um, as we're recording this. Yeah. So. Oh, I'm just saying we might lose power. Oh, you think it's. Um, I know that there are th massive thunderstorms going on through the area. Yeah. OK, well, it's what it is. As long as we don't get electrocuted, we're in good shape. But the thing is, is that. Part of the lore of Roswell were the thunderstorms and the lightning storms that may have brought that's, down. That's a good point because you know I've heard arguments saying that uh, you know if these if these aliens supposedly have such advanced technology, how is it that they crashed? You know how how could that happen? And, and the uh, the overriding theory I think on that is that there was a you know a lot of people said that there was a severe Oh no! You can night. actually go back and you can look at yeah, the, the, yeah. the the weather reports from that era, and there were severe thunderstorms and, at the time. And supposedly, people heard the thunder, but they also heard what sounded to be an explosion. It sounded yeah. like an explosion. Yeah. Um, which uh, apparently is is it wasn't necessarily a crash where they just came down and hit the ground. It exploded mid air, yeah. which accounts for the debris field. Yeah. And then the, whatever was left of the disc crashed in, in an yeah. alternative yeah. site. And then the bodies were actually ejected or something. Right. From, and the one alien that supposedly lived was in some kind of a capsule or something. Yeah. That, um, like an escape pod maybe or something that um, allowed him to survive. I think the question that I would like to leave this with the folks who are listening here is stop and think. And, and we re would really like to read your answers on the air. How, how did Roswell change the world? How uh, did Roswell change the world? Before, before we started recording, we talked about um, a new time frame or a new time delineation of, yeah. of um, B R and A R before Roswell and after Roswell, yeah, um, and it's kind of true because 1947, um, above and beyond just Roswell, was was a real pivotal year for a lot of a lot of changes in in the United States and um, probably even the world, I guess, but mostly the United States. A lot of things changed. Every every, um, every aspect of life was changed, yeah. was touched, not just by. You know, World War II, which obviously had a lot of impact. I mean, World War II ch touched the lives of every everybody in in the Western world. Mm -hmm. You cannot shake the fact that World War II shaped the lives right. of so many people right. all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, and and you know, there's people that really um, hold to the to the fact that if this knowledge was revealed at that point people would have really would have been very similar to the um you know to to the 1939 broadcast yeah. the world the um war, war, the, war of the world's broadcast 
where people would have just panicked. They would have, they would have, you know, there, were, there was so much sort of leftover fear from from World War II, and and then there was the up and coming fear of the Soviet Union and yeah. that whole it atomic really, thing going on, you know, and um, re- so maybe there is some credibility to that. It really know? played <clears throat> into everybody's <throat> worst fears you can possibly imagine. It was right. all right there. It was, it was. Perfect timing was the best possible timing you can imagine, or the worst, one or the other. There was a, there was a guy that said that his his father was briefed very heavily about the Roswell mm-hmm. incident, and he he never talked about it. But um, after the father died, the son came out and said that he told him one time, and only one time. Yeah, he said, "I'm going to tell you this once, and I'm never going to talk about it again." Yeah, but he said that. What crashed at Roswell was alien. And he said if that information came out, it would have destroyed the world religions. Yeah. They would have they would have crumbled. Yeah. And that you know, that's a really under underlying belief system for a lot of people. It's it's really sort of their it's everything their foundation. It's everything know, of, of everything. And there was another uh, test another another testimony that came out. I think around last year, when the, uh, around the Roswell um, anniversary, not this one, but the one before. Yeah. Uh, this woman who was, um, she was a secretary mm-hmm. at, at Wright, it wasn't Wright-Patterson at the time, it was Wright, Wright Air Force Base, I think, yeah. or Wright Military Base anyway. Sure. Um, and she had, a, she had a really high-level clearance. Mm-hmm. Because she would she typed up all the reports. Yes. And, and part of that clearance was that she could not talk about anything that came right. across her desk. And when she was in her 80s, she and she may have been she may have passed away by now, but I think she was like 88 when mm-hmm. last year when this report came out. She said that she typed up the reports from the doctors and the scientists that did the autopsies on the yeah. alien bodies. Yeah. And and she was definitive about it. And she said, I'm 88. What are they going to do to me now? <laughs> that was her That was her statement. So, you know, it's almost like a deathbed confession, which, no, which has legal it literally merit. Is. It know? literally is a death. There's a lot of deathbed confessions that have made the news where people have said, right. this mm-hmm. is what my father said. This is what my aunt said, my uncle. Or people whatever. that were actually part of the whole People thing who are actually there. Have, have come up and said that, yeah, there was, there was something. <laughs> Not of this earth. The aforementioned sergeant that I mentioned who went to that 12-year-old girl's house, mm-hmm. the, the, this, this um, marine sergeant, one of the things he had said, the, and, he, and he died with his guilt, was that he never went back and apologized to that young girl. Yeah. He, yeah. he would he sent her flowers and he sent her flowers uh, um anonymously a couple of times but mm-hmm. he could never get over the fact that he told a 12 year old girl that he would come back and kill her if well, she didn't keep probably, quiet probably really traumatized her you know? it traumatized him yeah well yeah and he was probably doing it underwater you know that. yeah um, so yeah i mean and and there's a lot of people like that that um you know brazil the rancher he was never the same after that no. I and mean, they, they worked him over pretty good yeah um, there was a guy that was a uh, part of the local. He was a co-owner of the of the radio station, yeah. the local radio station. He did a broadcast about it, and yeah. then the, the the FCC called him up, and they threatened to take his license away, and yeah. if he did any more things like that. And so it was just a whole series of of events where they, yeah. you know, just worked private citizens over to the point where 
They didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to say anything. Can you blame them? No. I mean, I have to say that if I was, I mean, you, at that point, the military, right after the World War II, they, you know, they had they were pretty authoritative. Oh, you know, absolutely. Won the, won the world biggest war, I guess, arguably to date, and uh, yeah, in modern history. Yeah, and so they had a lot of they had a lot of clout. You know? Yeah, and people believed them when they said that. Yeah, it's hard to imagine people. Some people didn't really come forward with that, but I guess they. They they had good techniques for making people believe that they were not yeah. not gonna fare well if they said anything. We're not you know? gonna we're not gonna put up with your crap right. if you keep talking right. about this. So that in itself says a lot as to what you know. They were co- what was what happened at Roswell on that night is really still unclear. Yeah, I think, but that, something happened. I think I think that. Um, <sighs> Here's a question for you, and the thing is, is that we are we are only thirty years away from the one hundredth anniversary of Roswell. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that we will ever get a full disclosure of what happened at Roswell, or do you think that they will just come up with another BS story and pass it along as as the quote truth? Do you think that between now and the 100th anniversary of Roswell, do you think that we will get the truth from the government about what happened? Well, I, I think that um, only if there's a, a larger disclosure, you know, if the, if the overall alien presence on Earth is is revealed, and I, and I do believe there is, um, yeah. in some shape or form, there's still an alien presence here. Um, there's a lot of theories about that, you know, that there's an underground, you know, Walter Boswell talked a lot about that. Or yeah, Bosley. Bosley. Um, I've got well on my mind with Roswell. Um, so who knows? I don't I don't know what that is or what it looks like, but I think if that ever gets revealed, then then the the doors open, you know, and, and I think everything may eventually come out. But not until that time. And who knows when that's gonna be, if ever. I think So until that yeah. time I just don't think there's any way to access the information, you know. Yeah. Unless we do get a president who's who's so hell bent on getting this thing out there that they're willing to override all of the stops that are put in place, if if that's even possible, I'm I'm not even sure that's even possible. I think that it w- it would take something like something like like full disclosure for them to come out and say this is what actually happened. Yeah, that's, I, right. that, that's, that's what I'm saying. It yeah, would take, and but, I think that's but, probably pretty unlikely. But it would have to be. It, there would have to be something else that would that happened to make disclosure about Roswell irrelevant. It's just a. It's just a small ripple in a larger pond. Well, at this point, it's it's not only the event itself, but it's the cover up now that they yeah. that they don't want to. They don't. I don't think they want the American people to know the level of cover up that was involved. Because that's an ugly thing. It's that's not a, pretty. Yeah, it's not not a pretty thing. It's, it's an not ugly, a pretty chapter of American history. It's an ugly thing that people would have to actually sort of like come to terms with that right. the government and, actually and would put a, a very bad light on the you know, on the not only the military but the government in general. The, the government mm-hmm. took great pains to threaten people with incarceration right. or death if right. they didn't keep their mouths shut. Yep. And I think mm-hmm. that that is I, I think that that could be bigger than Watergate. It could be bigger than a lot of other. The idea that the government used its authority to threaten the the lives and liberties and well and and welfare of people, and coerced to keep, people, and, to and, keep this yeah. thing quiet. Oh, yeah. That's that's the big. To me, that's really the biggest part of the story. Actually, yeah. 
I mean, aside from the alien factor, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever happened on that night, the government cover up is just as big. Yeah. You know, and at this point anyway, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, you kind of almost wish you could go back to that time and uh, talk to people yeah. that were, you know, just recently involved in the thing yeah. you know so you could i mean people didn't i don't think really really started investigating it until maybe the 80s yeah no it know, was, I, in a serious way i remember i'm trying to remember stanton friedman really did the first real serious work about the conspiracy behind Roswell. yeah i think he did i think you're you right. know and there was right. you know and, and he's there, the one that shot down the the, the um the weather balloon <laughs> well not, not only the weather balloon but the um crest test dummies he 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 really shot that down he was he was on the forefront of of disclosure, I think, for a long time. When did he pass away? Not too. Long, I don't think right? he's passed away yet. I know that he had a major stroke. I thought he I thought he did. No, nope. maybe not. I could be wrong. No, nope. he's going to be celebrating his eighty third birthday on oh, July so twenty. He has not. There, he has he's not, still around. He has not passed away yet. Okay. But Sorry, Stan. Didn't mean to put you in the ground. But he's done. The, ru- the rumors of your death are greatly exaggerated. But I mean, there were there. He was one of the first people to contact Jesse Marsalis and say, well, "Who's the guy? That, oh, is, is it J. Allen Hynek? I think so. Yes, he has. He has he's passed, passed, passed away. I think he might be the guy I'm thinking of that that poo pooed the um, yeah the crash test dummies. Yeah, J. Allen Hynek is one of those names that. I mean, he really blew the lid off of all of this. Yeah, but yeah. but people tend his to his name is sort of synonymous with UFO research. I think. Yeah, that's being really on the cutting edge of things. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the one I was thinking of that did the um, did the the um, thing on the crash test dummies that they were that was just not even plausible. Not, not, it's just not true. But yeah. the but the um, I think maybe one final question here is that. Um, how, how how is all of this going to end? How is this going to, how are people going to, you know, how is the story, how, how could we put an end or how can, how can we bring Roswell to a close? How can we actually come right out and say that's the end of the Roswell story? If you want to know my true opinion on y- that. Your personal opinion. Is that if somewhere, somehow, somebody didn't, give up a piece of, of the debris yeah and it comes out mm-hmm. uh, you know it, it's found in in, a, in an attic somewhere mm-hmm. that somebody you know didn't want to bring it forward or forgot about it or or, or whatever um i when, when we when we were talking to tom carey I, I was joking about um like flea markets and you know how you go to flea markets and you sometimes you find like <laughs> amazing things that that people may not even know what it is and and you, you know you may or may not get a good so, bargain on it you know you know, I mean, what if what if somebody has a piece of that 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 just didn't the military just didn't get to? To me, that would be the that would be the smoking gun. That would be very hard to deny. Yeah. You know, and that would make a great story. I think if some somebody came across that, <laughs> the miracle metal might, might be a book. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Balls. to me, that would that would do it. That would sort of blow the lid off of everything. Like, yeah. you know, it's kind of like the missing piece. No, no pun intended. But, L- you know, literally and figuratively. <clears throat> yeah. Um, to me, that's the only way that that true that the true story could really ever come out. If in fact that is the true story, 
You know, I think it is. I happen. That's my opinion. I happen to think that there was some kind of crash of some aircraft that was not um, well, that was way beyond the technology that existed at the time, and, and probably even now. Yeah. Whether that was an alien craft, well, maybe, maybe it wasn't. You know, maybe it was interdimensional. Maybe it was, um, as Walter Bosley says, maybe it's from uh, an inner Earth civilization that yeah. is a breakoff civilization. I mean, there's a lot of different possibilities. It could be, you know, it could be that in the future they've mastered time travel and, and it's, it's something that came back in time. You know, yeah. there's a whole lot of possibilities, yeah. all of which are intriguing, but none of which we have any definitive proof of. Yeah, you know, I happen to think that it was a, some kind of a. a craft mm-hmm. whether it was alien or whatever you want to attribute it to there were and i think there was bodies that were not like you know mutant dra- uh, dwarfs from from japan or something right you know? i'm sorry that just doesn't it doesn't, doesn't float with you it doesn't resonate with me i think that for me <clears throat> i mean obviously everybody says the same thing the miracle metal the memory yeah metal. i think that's not you know, the miracle unique to me but. the miracle memory metal everybody says that it would be the smoking gun mm-hmm. for me I would like to go and I would like to take a, a tour of the the entire, I'm going to say Hangar 13, just because that's what's within the lexicon. Mm-hmm. Hangar 13, whatever area it is. Area 51. In Area 51 or, area, mm-hmm. you know, Hangar, hangar 13. Well, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, if you could right get Patterson. in there and, and see a craft, and you know, <laughs> there, there you go. That's yeah. it. That's That would be the whole thing. I think yeah. that for me to put the entire, and I would like to, I would actually like to have somebody I'd actually like to listen to a recorded deathbed confession from somebody mm-hmm. who says, this is what I did. Well, there's that guy. Um, what's his name? Um, escapes me now, but he's dead. Now. He's, he's recently passed away, but he, he wasn't really, I mean, it was a deathbed in the sense that he knew he was dying. Um, but he actually worked for the company that did the, some of the reverse engineering on the, on the craft. Um, I can't remember his name. Was it William? I should have. I, I didn't think about that coming up. But um, so there's there's a number of people who who say that they've been part of this reverse engineering process. Yes, yeah. um, like uh, Lieutenant Walter Hout, who was a public relations officer for the base in 1947. His deathbed confession is the smoking gun for a lot of us. Who believe what did he say he said that he you know he was a he was a part of the cover-up he was one mm-hmm. of the guys who said hey this is this is what we did this is but he didn't actually this. say what they covered up, um no he actually came right out and he said that um here's a headline from the uk daily mail roswell officers amazing deathbed admission raises possibility that aliens did visit and that's from nick pope published uh, Nick Pope's pretty pretty reliable. Yeah, he actually worked for the British government at one point. Yeah, um, but there were pe- def- like a defense minister. There are people who tell their. No, he wasn't the, that high level. There are these people who tell their relatives just before they pass away. Yeah. It was a part of the yeah. cover up. Yeah. So you know, to me, if a guy now this guy I'm talking about, I can't come up with his name. Actually, he wasn't military. He actually worked for the one of the. One of the propulsion companies, or something. Something like Boeing or Lockheed or something like that. Yeah, and he was a pretty high level person, Um, and he says that you know they used they 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 
dissected the propulsion system, and it was um, it was using um, some kind of liquid mercury mm-hmm. um, to create anti gravity mm-hmm. technology. So, you know, there's more than one person that's saying that. Yeah. So, are these guys just nuts, or are they? You know, do you do you give them credibility? I, I don't know. You yeah. Know? I mean, nobody really ever seems to. It never seems to really coalesce into anything. No, you know? not yet. They 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 kind of get written off as fringe people. You know, they're right. Sort of like half crazy or something. You know. And then we have our friend Al. These are smart guys. They're, yeah. they're like engineers and stuff. <laughs> they're not. I mean, they're not just guys that were sweeping the floor in there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No. I don't know. You know, how do you, how do you dismiss that? Kind of but it, that, that brings me back to an earlier point is that if all of these stories about things have been re-engineered, if something like, you know, from circuit boards and transistors and solid state widgets and, 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 and whatnot, the entire, you know, the reason why I have this laptop on my desk and this audio board on my desk is because Roswell, um, um, LED displays. Mm-hmm. And that stuff seemed to just appear like overnight, kind yeah. of almost. Um, you know, I'm sure that we would have gotten there eventually, technologi- yeah. technologically, but, yeah. uh, but I think whatever they got out of that Roswell crash. Right. And maybe there's other yeah. ships too that they've found that just aren't as known. We just can't, yeah. yeah. There's supposedly there's been a lot of different yeah. ones in different times. Um, I mean, my father is an electronics engineer, and and he always said that the transistor was the biggest jump. Yeah. From so you went from like vacuum tubes to, you know, and that just jump started the whole, yeah, the whole electronics industry. Yeah. You know, and and led to all the you know all the technology we have now. Uh, so you know, and he he was he was a real really intelligent guy, and it was right around that time that the transistor came out. Yeah. You know, right, just not too far. And maybe into the early 50s or late yeah. 40s even. And there you go. That's when everything really, you know, I remember the transistor radio. That was a yeah. huge thing. Yeah. You know, where you have this big clunky thing with a bunch of tubes in it. You had this little tiny thing you could like put on your bed or take to the beach with you or whatever. Exactly. You know? just, and that was a pretty minor part of it, you know. Yeah. So who knows? I, I don't know. It just... Nobody seems to really bring all that stuff together. The uh, transistor radio. Anything, yeah. Put it up to your ear. Yeah. Listen to, I used to listen to Cousin Brucey from New York City. Yeah. He's probably still around. Oh, yeah. And he has a radio show on uh, yeah. on uh, Sirius XM. Does he? Yeah. Yeah. So, there you go. I, mean, I think that's it. I, I, think I that... don't know if too much more, but it, we'd like to hear from our listeners. What do you guys think about the, the importance of Roswell? How did Roswell change the world? Yeah. And, and I, I really do think it did. Yeah. But it's just a question of how much you want to attribute to Roswell, I guess. And if you look at, like I said, before Roswell and after Roswell, it's a, a big, big paradigm shift in terms of the way we view things. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it changed the way that most of us see the universe. Yeah. The idea that they're they they're here and they're just as fragile as we are. Well, they're, yeah, they're they're susceptible probably to the same. Yeah. It's kind of the theme of the H.G. Wells were the worlds. They're susceptible to things we can't possibly imagine. So they were ta- the aliens, and that were taken out by a, by a back by bacteria, <laughs> a cold virus. <laughs> right. You know, that's kind of funny when you think about it. I mean, it is but, ir- ironic, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, for me, I think it's I think it's it changed every aspect of life, our culture, our science, philosophy. 
you know, theology even. I think it changed everything. I think yeah, when you start looking at 1947, that was a really pretty kind of a watershed year for a lot of yeah, like pretty cathartic year for all these changes. There's also a lot of other things that happened in 47. That well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. A lot of, a lot yeah, of, a lot of stuff. We'll be linking to on, on, on the show page, mm-hmm. but I think that that's it. So, folks. There we go. Hop on over right. fa- uh, um, Facebook uh, slash groups slash the Metaphysical Connection and um, leave us your thoughts. One, How- one of my bucket list uh, visits is to go to Roswell. Uh, is that on your bucket list? You know what? For the 75th anniversary, I think you and I should go. Yeah, well, that could be good. We're going to plan I that. just can't get my wife to go. She, she doesn't give any, any credibility to any of this kind of stuff. So okay. I guess I'll go by myself. No, you'll, you and I will go together. I'll get the alien headgear and the, yeah. and the T-shirt and everything. You'll get, you'll get that, and I'll be wearing one. I saw a woman in that, art, that New York Times article that said, I, I want to be abducted. <laughs> <laughs> Can you blame her? No, I can't. Right? You know? So, all right. As always, Walt, another great show. I think so. This has been the Metaphysical Connection podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or Player FM. You can find our podcast via your Apple, Android, or Windows devices using those services and more. If your favorite podcast service or program doesn't feature us, let us know by shooting us an email via info at thefedorachronicles.com. That's also a great way to get in touch with Walt, Jim, and Eric, and let us know what you think of the podcast, as well as topic suggestions for a future show. If we use your suggestion, we'll send you a t-shirt or coffee mug. Just send along your size and preference with your email. You can be a part of the metaphysical connection between shows by joining us on our social media accounts. You can find us on Facebook by going to our metaphysical connection group and following us on Twitter at physics laxative. Most importantly, you can support the show by hitting the Patreon button on all of our show pages, metaphysicalpodcast.com. Patreons of the show get specials such as getting the podcast a day before the rest of the audience, heads up about future episodes and other exclusives. Want some Metaphysical Connection swag of your own? Get your own damn Metaphysical Connection coffee mugs, t-shirts, keychains, and barbecue aprons at our Zazzle page. My house is full of them. Yours should be too. Find them at www.zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Don't forget to check out our show sponsor, the Trinity Whip Company. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship, in form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Brunning. Find his products at www.trinitywhipco.com. So for Walt, Jim, and Eric, this is Carol Fisk thanking you for listening and signing off. Until next time, keep your chin up and your bra, excuse me, fedora on.